never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that wonders if a dwarf gets lycanthropy... Does it turn into a wear corgi? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. How's it going, man? How was your week? Uh, it's it's been all right. <laughs> Nothing too crazy going on. How about you? Um, yeah, about the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about the same. Um, <laughs> I've got nothing like fun going on it's a lot of busy stuff but nothing like cool <laughs> so that's why <laughs> there wasn't too much to elaborate on there so <laughs> i mean i got new glasses that's not really like exciting um <laughs> yeah like, i was like hmm, i had to do that <laughs> um no it was just kind of the more mundane kind of a thing so you know um nice just like just, i feel like it's my normal day-to-day stuff that people want to hear about because everyone's living their own horrible day-to-day <laughs> stuff right on uh, so let's not waste anyone else's time and jump and this right is doom, doomcast 2024 <laughs> <laughs> well actually how about this um the um at&t verizon and t-mobile mobile had massive phone outages this morning yeah hit the news um and i was watching the news and i'm like phone outages my phone seems to be working just fine and what i found out was you know when i was in a wi-fi environment until the glitch got fixed whatever it was until it got fixed when i was in a wi-fi environment my phone worked just fine all of it as soon as i left the wi-fi environment that's when my phone stopped working so there was a good chunk of the day because of my job that i had no access to my phone and then the phone started working right about the time I had to go to lunch. But when I'm watching the news and I'm looking at it, the only thing, and I know there was a lot of, I haven't seen the movie uh, Left the World, uh, um, Leave the World Behind or the new Julia. Yeah, movie. yeah. I haven't watched it yet. So there was a lot of reference to that because of the mass communication <laughs> breakdown at the beginning of the movie. So I understand. However, the only thing I could think of when I was watching this was, the line from Star Wars Episode One, when he says, a, when uh, Co Bibble famously says, "A communication disruption can mean only one thing: invasion." <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> that's all I could think about. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So other than that, Fun stuff. <laughs> normal week. Let's not waste anyone else's time and jump right on into nerd stuff. Um, what are you watching? Reading? What do you got? Yeah, not a not a ton this week. Um, for whatever reason, my son has been getting really into uh, Transformers and uh, really every like other kind of robot, which is pretty cool. Which actually makes this uh, our list this week pretty fitting. But I've been watching a lot of uh, Transformers movies, which actually isn't a bad thing because the last like 
I want to say two movies I actually had to catch up on. <laughs> so I've actually seen uh, The Last Night and Rise of the Beasts now. I really, um, I haven't seen Rise of the Beasts yet, but I actually, like, um, number four. What was number four? Four was uh, Age of Extinction. Age of Extinction. The only thing I had a problem with that is it it was too long. And I was like, I'm bored. <laughs> so here's the thing. The movie was too lengthy. But last night, I thoroughly enjoyed so Age of Extinction has a weird like double plot thing where it's like half of the movie is about this weird like evil transformer alien invasion. And then the other half of the movie is like about this like, you know, this company's making synthetic transformers and stuff like that. And it feels like two different movies that they just mashed into one. And maybe that leads to pacing issues where you're like having to sit through two plots resolve themselves. But uh, the last night, I actually thought it was pretty cool, too. Um, I thought some of the uh, some of the what's it called? The like uh, Knights of the Round Table lore that they brought in was like, I mean, it's it's a Transformers movie, so some of that can be clunky. But I thought some of it was pretty clever and fun at the same time. But uh, I was actually watching it the other night and uh, we had the in-laws over for dinner and uh, my brother-in-law actually said that supposedly the last night is the lowest rated Transformers film, which I thought was kind of uh, kind of crazy. But um, says our favorite site, Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that, that might be it. And I'm sure that like timing has a lot to do it with it um, this rather is than first time listening to us. I don't like Rotten Tomatoes. Continue on. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure, like, the perception of the Transformers movies, basically what I was saying is timing has so much to do with it because, like, the first two movies came out and the hype was so huge. And, uh, you know, by the time you get to, like, the last night, you're going on, like, what, 10 plus or not quite 10 years or maybe, yeah, like 10 plus years later. And uh, it's people's perception of the franchise has changed and stuff. But um, no, that that stuff's really fun. Uh, we carried that over to uh, we watched we rewatched the 2017 Power Rangers movie last night, which Drew, I don't think you've seen this still. Or did you ever get a chance to watch that? 2017 one? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did not. OK. I not, yeah, I have not uh, watched <laughs> that one. I I started it. And something in my life pulled me away from the TV and I was like, crap, I shouldn't have started it right now. And I never got back to it. Yeah, we, we were watching it and I, I think it holds up pretty well. And I think the uh, the as far as a superhero origin story, I think it works super well. And my favorite part of that movie is they take all of the clunky, ridiculous aspects of Power Rangers and they somehow found a way to add like emotional resonance to every bit of that you know it's like power rangers carry these magic coins in their pocket that let them morph into superheroes but somehow they found a way to make that like actually hit you in the feels so to speak like they really did a good job of making you care about these characters and care about the clunky nonsense <laughs> from power rangers so <laughs> i actually really really enjoyed rewatching that like that's a really good flick um Otherwise, the only thing I've been keeping up with really is uh, that anime uh, Ninja Kamui. I watched the second episode, so uh, that's still awesome. I don't know if you've had a chance to check this one out yet. No, I have not. Okay, uh, so okay, this, how about this? Since we've talked, I actually have a bunch of stuff to discuss. Um, 
but my just like in terms of like I was talking with a friend of mine at work and there is just so much stuff to watch yes. consume content is like it's there's so much stuff to sift through and it's like what do you even start with it's incredibly difficult in my opinion <laughs> to kind of sift through a lot of the stuff so I, I do what I can man so <laughs> continue <laughs> you're, you're making me want to go on a tangent um oh man I don't want to go on a huge tangent but that's one of the okay. things that people always say with uh with AI art and uh, music and writing and stuff, people talk about like, oh, AI is going to allow us to make content so much faster. And I'm like, has if there's ever been a time where we don't need <laughs> content to be made any right. faster, it's right now. Like there's there's a well, there's so much you can't even get through it all at this point. Um, but no, about Ninja Kamui. Um, so the first episode was great. The fight scenes are awesome. Um, I was commenting last week about how the story felt a little familiar. Like it reminded me a lot of uh, stuff like Kill Bill and uh, The Punisher, especially. But with the second episode coming in, you do start to, to catch a glimpse of uh, some really unique story elements that you didn't necessarily see coming. Um, there's like a weird sort of um, conspiracy aspect to the story that they're hinting at where a lot of the uh, ninja villains seem to have like uh, really um, kind of mysterious tech they're using, like really high tech gadgets and weapons and stuff. And there seems to be a conspiracy too with uh, that tech coming from like this like big corporation in this world. And that looks like it's going to be a really cool uh, road to go down when the series goes down that way. But it's another thing where, like, you watched the second episode and you get a bit of a story. It's almost like the episode's cut in half where you get, like, a solid, like, 10, 15 minutes of story. And uh, there's, like, this main detective trying to, you know, uh, investigate all these ninja killings that are coming up and stuff. And you get all this, like, story and mystery. And then the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the episode is just a straight-up fight scene. And uh, this one, the fight scenes Correct. just keep getting better and better. And that's, like, one of the things. Like, the story's pretty good, but the fight scenes are so good. I think, Like, the fight scenes and the animation are really getting me to stick with this series. So, again, definitely recommend this one. This one's really cool. And it is a good time to get on the bottom floor with this one, you know, because it's only two episodes so far. So, good right. stuff. Right. Um. All right. Was that it? Should I move into mine? Yeah. Yeah, that's it for me this week, so. Okay, so first off, I'll hit you with a reading. Um, in my track of catching up with comic books, I started reading a, I was waiting for the final issue to drop. It's a 12-issue series, and uh, the final issue dropped, so I started reading it. It is called, it's DC's Dark Knights of Steel. Um, this is really kind of cool. Ultimately, what it is, um, hang on a second, I can... Uh, um, Tom Taylor, um, did this and the art is Yasmin, uh, Putri, if I'm saying that right. Um, ultimately what this is, it's the DC universe set in the realm of fantasy. Um, cool. and what's really cool is Krypton still in the, in the technological advance that it was, is still destroyed. But when Clark's or Superman's uh, rocket crash lands on Earth, it's in the Dark Ages. 
Um, so it's oh, like nice. medieval times, dark ages. So you still have the Wayne family who like, so Bruce Wayne is still Batman and he's all armored up and he has the swords and he's on a black horse and all that stuff. But then you have like, and like, it's really cool. Like one of the first things that happens is Bruce Wayne is like, he's like on this, like, uh, they're going to attack this castle where there's a banshee. Well, if you know your DC lore and you're like a banshee, who are we after? And you find out that they're talking about uh, Black Canary. So uh, they go in and there's this girl who's got these superpowers and it happens to be Black Canary and they call her the banshee because of her sonic scream, you know. So right. all the DC characters are represented, but it's like on a fantasy scale and it's all different. So like Superman crash landed in the Dark Ages. And yeah, it's really cool so far. So that's that's pretty neat. I I actually wasn't familiar with this one. Is this like pretty new or uh, has the series been out for a while? Yeah, new ish. Um, is there a copyright date on here? Uh, no, this is just new ish. I don't see a copyright date on here. Um, I'm using the I'm reading it on the DC uh, Infinite app. Um, oh, sorry, hold on. Release 2021 is when the first issue dropped. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I would consider that new. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, that that's pretty cool. I wasn't familiar with this one, but I'm kind of looking at images right now, and the artwork looks awesome, and it's cool to see some of these characters in uh, you know, medieval armor and all that. Yeah. So, but I just loved it because I was like, uh, whatever, DC fantasy. This sounds kind of cool. So I just started reading, and it opens with the destruction of Krypton. I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be fantasy, and then they crash land on earth during the middle ages like during like medieval times and i'm like brilliant <laughs> like this is i'm like just brilliant this is amazing so yeah uh so far it's been a lot of fun um nice so i've been reading that uh i just watched um so uh star wars the bad batch has come back on disney plus uh they have a three episode premiere my plan was to watch the three episodes before we sat down, but I only had time to watch the first one, which is kind of cool because it really set the table for me. And then now I'm going to watch the two back to back. But it's off to, in my opinion, a really cool start. Uh, the first episode alone. Ooh, man, I'm going to tell you. The idea of Palpatine coming back in uh, Rise of Skywalker and you're wondering how and, you know, Mandalorian's been kind of hinting at the idea of the cloning uh, like they clearly in Rise of Skywalker, they clearly hinted to the clone idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And then how do you how do you transfer the personality or the life force or whatever from one body into the clone? Well, Mandalorian hints at the, the Rise of Skywalker shows you that there was cloning. Mandalorian hints that there's cloning experimentation going on. And then Bad Batch. There is some lines of dialogue that they're just like like. They're clearly doing cloning stuff for the purposes of what you like. We can all assume is the Emperor's transformation to what we see in Rise of Skywalker. But there's this great line of dialogue where they're like, the transfer was complete. And I'm like, the transfer was complete. That's totally like, <laughs> nice. Like that one line of dialogue. I was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> so um, I was just really excited to see that. And we're off to the races. So that's uh, awesome. That match is back. It looks so far. It's I'm. Yay, Star Wars is back. Um, the other thing I watched was the Marvels. Um, oh, sweet. Finally sat Action. down and watched the Marvels. Uh, this, technically it got panned, if you think about it. This was not, um, 
this was not one of those uh, movies that like it did not do well in the box office. Now, what I'm going to say is this. I seriously wonder that it not doing well in the box office because people, as in the average moviegoer, are suffering from superhero fatigue. That's honestly my personal opinion, because the movie, if you go in expecting a Marvel film and the glory that a Marvel film is, you're going to get that. Right. Um, all of the action, which is fantastic action sequences. Yes, there's humor to it. Yes, there's still a serious story. They're still trying to move the needle across the board, but it's a it's a decent movie. It's definitely one of the shorter ones, but it's a lot of fun. And I was pleasantly surprised and it was great. So I think that the negativity that you're seeing in the movie or the lack of a box office is people just being fatigued with Marvel and wanting wanting the answer. What is next for Marvel? So uh, but the action sequences were a ton of fun. And the cat stuff was hilarious because you have the cat from the first movie that eats things with the tentacle mouth and stuff. There's this oh, yeah. great there's this great fight scene with it um, where they're like they pick up the cat and the cat becomes sort of like a weapon. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny, but it's a really cool like action sequence, because um, if you saw the trailer, clearly when they use their powers, they like replace each other's location like they switch places. Um, mm -hmm. If you got that from the trailer and some of the fight scenes, because then like there's parts where they learn that if they use their powers at a specific time, they can combo their powers because they're switching places. So at first it's like really chaotic. And then later when they figure it out and they start coordinating, the fight scenes get in super intense because they're using it to combo abilities. It's really cool, man. Like it, it, I thought it was really clever. Um, nice. So I, I haven't, Oh, I, I haven't seen the Marvels yet, but I've had a similar like I haven't had similar conversations with people like uh, I have one friend who like she was not excited to see the movie at all. Like she's a big Marvel fan, but just wasn't feeling it. And then she told me that after she saw it, she's like, oh, no, I actually thought it was <laughs> it was pretty good. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But I think in general, there's I don't want to say I don't know if it's superhero fatigue. I think it is just Marvel fatigue. Like people are tired of the same old kinds of movies, but it's so hard to say there's superhero fatigue with like how well like the Spider-Verse and Guardians 3 did as well as like how much people are excited for Deadpool and some other movies. Like it's hard to say there's really superhero fatigue. I think it's a super it's a certain like formula of superhero movie that people are very uh wary of at this at this moment sure okay um the and then yeah that's basically uh so the final thing i'll say about the marvels is the bonus scene there is one bonus scene mid credits um the ending of the movie is kind of a little eye-opening and you're just like oh okay and then you roll into the bonus scene um, I will say this. There is no scene at the end of the credits at the very post credits. There's nothing. There's an audio cue that'll make you laugh, but it's not a scene and it's not important. Um, <laughs> I say that be when you when you if you sit through it and wait for the audio cue, you'll see why it's just not important. The bonus scene, though, that's in the middle of the credits is eye opening. Like it's like jaw dropping eye opening. Um, it completely blew my mind and it makes moving closer to Deadpool three, um, that much cooler. 
it makes the concept of bringing in Wolverine that much cooler. It makes the concept of Secret Wars that much cooler. So this mm. probably, and this is where people are going to want to watch the movie, um, because of the ending, the actual ending to the story. So it's not like you're watching the Marvels and then the bonus scene is the important part. You're watching the Marvels. The actual end of the story in the film is very important for what's coming down the pipe. And then because the bonus scene picks up from it, everything coming down the pipe. But it's probably one of the most important bonus scenes we've ever had. So everyone wow. needs to make sure they see the Marvels for real. So, yes, and that, I know that sounds high <laughs> praise, but I really do think because we're moving towards Secret Wars, this is the most probably one of the most important bonus scenes that they've ever done. I'm just laughing because I know a lot of people are going to skip it and then they're going to all have a lot of questions later. So. <laughs> and they might. And they might. And that's what happens. It's like, dude, what happened? And I'm like, remember all those Star Wars cartoons I told you to read? That's why you need to watch those. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that I watched, um, I you asked me, are there trailers to watch before we sat down to record? I told you to watch one. I hope you watched it. There's another one that I was like, oh, shoot, I should have told them to watch that. So I apologize. Um, one of the trailers was the uh, this will segue right into the news. Uh, the Borderlands trailer. Did you watch that this week? Yeah. Yeah, I did watch Borderlands. OK, OK, cool. So <laughs> um, I am a novice when it comes to the Borderlands games. I've played them very little. Um, I played a chunk of the second one, but I never really got into it the way some people like Die Hard got into that game. Um, yeah. So the trailer looks like they adapted it pretty well and the characters look like characters from the game. And that's really all I can say about it is it looks like a really fun, crazy movie adapted pretty well from the source material of the Borderlands franchise. Right. That's, that's really all I can say about it is it looks like they did a really nice job of adapting this and it looks bonkers and crazy and wild and maybe exactly what we need. No, so yeah it it kind of uh to me it felt very similar in tone to uh the guardians of the galaxy movies like it almost <laughs> it almost feels like it's like guardians of the galaxy 4 or something like that but it does look like a pretty fun bombastic uh romp of a film um i was actually i've like barely played the borderlands games to be honest so i was actually asking people i knew like does this trailer look to match the tone of the game? And uh, one of my friends said, like, yeah, like, it does look like it's the right tone. Like, it does look good. But he actually had more nitpicks about, like, he doesn't think certain actors should be playing uh, different roles and stuff like that. And he did comment, which, Drew, I know we've talked about similar situations on our podcast. He did comment about uh, Jack Black playing the one uh, robot character who I don't know the name of. <laughs> he was saying, like, why don't... The robot's claptrap, and you're going to say trap. exactly what I'm going to say without even knowing it. Why is well, he's like, why don't they just get the actual voice actor from the game? Which I think is pretty yes. funny, you know? Yes. Why don't you get the actual voice actor from the game? Yeah. You know? And the, the, only, the, the only other one he said he didn't think fit was Kevin Hart. And I said, is that because it looks like Kevin Hart just playing it himself? <laughs> and my friend was like, yeah, that's pretty much what it looks like. So. And uh, Kevin Hart was the one from the trailer that I was like, meh about. And it's not because right. I don't like Kevin Hart, it's because it's Kevin Hart just being dropped in the movie to be Kevin Hart. 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, but it's also was... like Kevin Hart's in a movie, and the movie does really well at the box office. So I know, <laughs> gotta I know. keep stuff and that's in the mind thing. too. <laughs> Jack Black gets voices a character, and the movie does really well at the box office. The problem is, in my opinion, is that the movie I think would stand on its own. Just get the original voice actor for Claptrap. I'm serious. Like one, it's probably cheaper, and two. The fans are going to be like, oh, my God, they got the original guy. They'll be so excited. They'll be happy. Like the studios need to stop focus grouping everything that releases. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and so surprisingly, surprisingly, the only one who uh, seems to have gotten it right was Michael Bay in Transformers. <laughs> Not to bring that up again, but he got the original Optimus Prime voice actor for those movies. And he got, and the, it original, was such a he got the original Starscream voice actor for those movies, too. There so. there you go. Um yeah, so it's kind of funny that we can look to Michael Bay as the uh, the spokesperson for artistic integrity, I guess, at least in yeah, this case. I know. Uh, the other trailer that I had you watch was Boy Kills World. Right, what right. What do you think of this? Uh, this looks like a blast. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, part of me watches it, and I'm like, okay, so this kind of looks like The Hunger Games, but at the same time, it just looks like a blast it looks like they're taking like this sort of televised battle royale sort of concept like and Hunter turning games, it cross it with squid game cross it with it's just looks bonkers man like <laughs> yeah it, it, um, it just looks like they took that concept turned it up to 11 added a bunch of gore added a bunch of jokes so yeah this one looks like a blast i was also happy to see that uh Sam Raimi is a producer on this film that looks pretty, which is pretty yeah. great. And yeah. um, like Bill Skarsgård as, a, or was it Alex Skarsgård? I always mix Bill them up. Bill Skarsgård. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thought it was Bill. Uh, him as like the main character, like he's always great in everything I've seen him in. So this looks like a blast. But uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on this one? The movie just looks like it's wild and funny and bizarre and crazy and action packed and violent and gory and probably exactly what we need it's going to be one of those movies that's going to make you feel better about yourself <laughs> you're just gonna you're <laughs> right. just gonna be laughing from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie and like cheering for it like it's one of those movies that if you saw with the right group of people everyone would be cheering for the movie and clapping and excited and you know like one of those like high energy films um, <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah and then you have like john benjamin being the voice of the narrator because the guy can't talk so he's like the narrator the kid got from like a video game like it's too that's too funny you know <laughs> yeah i actually didn't know if it was uh bill skarsgård actually doing that voice but uh that's pretty funny um the other thing the my last thought was with the title boy kill world or boy kills world or whatever i thought it was gonna be a play on boy meets world <laughs> like i was oh. a little su surprised i was like this has nothing to do with it's world well, like this isn't sitcom like you, at all when i send you the text like watch this trailer your t response was um okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't necessarily uh familiar with it before you mentioned it so that's yeah, all good all right well moving on uh we got some quick hit news stuff and then like a couple big stuff so quick hit um the producers of the spider-verse uh, production designer and producer behind the Spider-Verse movies has revealed concept art for a Batman Beyond animated film that they've been pitching to Warner Brothers for the past five months. Um, 
the concept art that they've been showing off has you can find online and the concept mm -hmm. art looks incredible. And all I can think is, is that as much as I would love to see Batman, the animated series and all of its glory back, knowing the success of the Spider-Verse films and understanding like what that looks like on screen and then looking at the concept art for Batman Beyond, that might be the coolest thing you could do is just do Batman Beyond as a animated film like that. It looks incredible. So if you get a chance to look up the uh, artwork, um, it looks fantastic, but it's just concept stuff. There's no, hey, it's going to happen. Uh, it's kind of like we don't know um, what's going to go with it, but they've been pitching it. So I say, I say bring it on, to be completely honest. And because it's Batman Beyond and it's set in the future, it should not in any way affect anything James Gunn is doing. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a so. good call. But then you also wonder if this did move forward, is James Gunn going to say that uh, this is part of his universe? He seems to kind of uh, be all over the place with, uh, you know, what what counts and what doesn't, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have seen these images, though, and they do look great. Um, they do have that sort of. You can kind of sense that they're from like the same guys who brought us uh, the Spider Spider Verse films, but they also do look unique in a way. I feel like they look a little cleaner in a weird way compared to uh, Into the Spider Verse and Across the Spider Verse. And not that that not to say like that in a good or bad way. They just had like a more cleaner feel, and I feel like that's because it's Batman Beyond. That's like a super sleek sort of futuristic world uh, that we saw in that series. But this could be cool. Um, Batman Beyond is one of the, is like, it's, it's a really cool corner of DC comics uh, storytelling. And we don't really see enough of the Batman beyond universe in general. So uh, yeah, good stuff. It'll be really interesting to see how this moves forward. Yeah. Um, I'd be, I'm really excited to see if and what it does. Um, so now we're going to move to this. Speaking of things that aren't canon, um, X-Men 97 is about to drop real soon here on, uh, Disney mm, Plus. Yeah. Did you see the trailer that released for X-Men 97? Yes. Yes. It looks great. Like you and I, you and I went to C2E2 and sat through the channel with the cast and they talked about it and got us all hyped and we we're all excited. Like, this sounds great. I can't wait. And at the time, it was all talk because there was no images. There was nothing to show us. And the cast was just like, you're going to be wowed. You're going to be amazed. Like, this is really great stuff. And I'm looking <laughs> at this going, yeah, it looks great. And I'm wowed and amazed. And I can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. um, but apparently, it will not be canon for um, the MCU. It'll not be a part of the MCU. It'll be set off on its own uh, the head writer uh, confirmed on Instagram that X-Men 97 will not be part of the MCU's continuity. We are our own thing. And that's okay, because you're picking up from an old story from 1997. Yeah, I never... Did anybody think it was going to be canon? <laughs> like, it seems like a weird thing to worry about, but it does look... It you does know, look really cool. It, it, Huh? You know, man... <laughs> 
Like, I mean, if, if they said that this was canon, wouldn't that make the whole old cartoon canon? And then you want to talk about how many um, contradictions there would be between that and the MCU. Right. Um, like, I don't know if, like, Scarlet Witch or uh, Quicksilver come into the original X-Men series, but that's, like, details where stuff's not going to is going to start not lining up when you uh, when you bring all that in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, it, it does it does look really awesome. I agree. They they did a great job of uh, replicating the animation style. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Um, OK, so another quick hit. Um, John Wick spinoff, the ballerina. That is the um, Ana de Armas, uh, Keanu Reeves spinoff film for the John Wick series. It is being pushed back a full year, um, being pushed back to June 6th of 2025. Lionsgate insiders say it's because the film will be filming additional action sequences under the guiding hand of Chad Stileski. Uh, He's the mastermind behind the John Wilk uh, franchise. So they're um, shooting more action sequences and pushing the movie back a year. One, how long is this movie? Two, I've seen a John Wick movie, so I know there's a lot of action sequences and you want more. <laughs> this is going to be nuts. Um, but I'm excited for it. I really enjoy Ana de Armas on screen and pretty much everything she does. Um, so I'm just excited for this. And then uh, did you ever see uh, No Time to Die, uh, the last James Bond film? I No, I didn't, I didn't see okay. that one. Ana de Armas plays a CIA agent that he teams up with, like – She's a contact that he's got to hook up with. He hooks up with her to get whatever information. They go into the party. They're doing their spy work. And then a gunfight ensues. And the five minutes, like, it's like a ten-minute sequence, maybe less, that she's in the movie for this, like, let's meet. We got to go to the party. We got to get the info. Gunfight. Good working with you. Uh, Hope to cross paths again. And they separate. Um the gunfight is one of the coolest. And like from that alone, you're just like, I want more of this girl all the time. <laughs> like oh, nice. give her more, give her more action sequences. This is amazing. So. <laughs> well, like um, just hearing of the story, how they're filming more action sequences. It makes me wonder if they screen tested what they have. Like, I don't know if they screen tested it for the studio or did a like focus group with it or something, but it makes me wonder if like the people seeing the movie are familiar with John Wick and they watched it and they were like, it was good. It just needs more action because you think of John Wick, there's like so much action. And I yeah. don't know if that was the thing. They're like, you know, you need like three more <laughs> really good fight scenes in there, but otherwise it's, it's great. You know, great I mean? movie. you need a little bit more. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm taking yeah. away, but that's all speculation. So, um, okay. Um, time to talk about some big ones. Uh, well, actually, one more short one, and then we'll talk about the big ones. Rogue One's director, Gareth Edwards, will be dire- will be officially directing Jurassic World 4. Oh, that's, that's, that's great. This is awesome news, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Rogue One was gritty and real and exciting. <laughs> Gareth yeah. Edwards not only can do that to the Jurassic Park franchise or Jurassic World franchise, he Gareth Edwards directed uh, Godzilla. Um, yeah, yeah. And the the standalone Godzilla film was gripping and exciting and gritty and amazing. And it makes me excited to go. 
you're going to take the monster and make it a little smaller. And I, I can't wait to see how he puts it together. Like, I'm actually, like, the other Jurassic Park films, Jurassic World films, they were fun, and they were what they were, and I'm not knocking them, because I enjoyed, I thoroughly enjoyed the first Jurassic World, and I thoroughly enjoyed the third one. The second one, I felt, was a remake of the original second film, but the combo of doing that with Gareth Edwards has me very excited, so. Well, Gareth, it's it's really hard to say, because I know, um... I know there's so many reshoots on Rogue One, but for me, out of all these sort of uh, Disney Star Wars movies, I always felt like Rogue One felt like it got Star Wars, like just a little bit better than all the other ones. And I mean, that's my that's my yeah. opinion. So it's not it's not <laughs> uh, canon. But I mean, I just felt like I remember being so impressed because I was like, I feel like Gareth Edwards just gets Star Wars. And I'm talking about like. You watch you watch Rogue One and there's like a Gungan in the background at one part and uh, he brought in like Saw Gerrera and it's like I'm like yes he's not you know he's doing a Disney movie but he's not going to be shy with bringing in like prequel elements but also when you look at the uh, planets they went to when you look at um, like Jeddah and uh, some of the other locations the backgrounds like the background of the scenes and uh, the way the architecture was and everything. It felt like we were going into these vast worlds. And uh, if I compare that to something like Force Awakens, um, like when they go to uh, Maz Kanata's uh, place in Force Awakens, it felt very like it was a limited area. Like, you know, there's this little building she's in and like there's some cool stuff, but it didn't feel like this vast world when you compare it to like. Moss Espa or, you know, the Forest of Endor or, you know, like all these elements from the, uh, you know, first six Star Wars movies. And I always felt like Gareth Edwards just understood like the scope and the feel of Star Wars so well. <laughs> so then knowing he's going to go over to Jurassic Park, it makes me wonder, like, is he going to watch all the movies and get a really good feel for Jurassic Park? And is he going to give us something that feels more Jurassic Park than, you know, the last few Jurassic World films, you know, that's, that's yeah. something to think about, but I think it's in good hands. And then, like you said, the Godzilla connection, like, he's done some good giant lizard movies already. So let's see right. where he goes with this one. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Um, Peacock and Paramount Plus are potentially going to be merged together. Um, so okay. <laughs> Paramount Global and Comcast have discussed merging the streamers. Um, so it's going to either be Parapy or Mountcock Plus or who knows. Um, All right. Then. <laughs> the uh, I don't know what the streaming service will be called, but just uh, to, to merge Peacock and Paramount might be a, that could be a huge thing. And it's almost like every time we get like an extra streamer, there's some weird streaming wars. Hey, let's piece together again. You know what I mean? Let's merge these together in a little ball. Um, I don't know if that'll adjust the price, and it's still kind of up in the air because it's like reportedly this is in discussion. So, so why do I keep hearing people talk about uh, Paramount or something about like Paramount buying Warner Brothers? Like I keep seeing that all over the place. So Warner <laughs> Brothers, they keep hinting at Warner Brothers being up for sale. 
and yes. Warner Brothers is on the brink of bankruptcy. <laughs> they're up for sale, and then they signed Tom Cruise to this giant multi-million dollar but, uh, deal to like make exclusive films for Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if they're, why would they go up for sale? And then there's reports saying signing on John Tom Cruise, and then uh, I, there's some other name. They're like, it's they're buying, they're signing on these big names to be exclusives to the company to make it more of an attractive sale. Um, but oh, okay. The idea is is that they're looking to sell the entirety of the film division from Warner Brothers. And it's like, who wants it? And I don't know if it's true. I don't know if there's legitimacy to this, but it keeps popping up. So the amount of times that I'm seeing it pop up sounds like there's something legitimate to them going, hey, we could sell this and make a crap ton of money. Maybe we don't want to be in movies anymore. I don't know. Like, is it bad taste from all the execs getting in trouble for all the stuff that happened with the Snyder Cut? Like, what's going on? Um, I want to report on this stuff as it happens. And, and I want to cross check my stuff before I talk about it. And that's why in the midst of all of it, I've been trying to make sense out of it, but yeah, yeah. I just keep, I just keep seeing people speculate about Paramount buying Warner brothers. And so hearing the peacock news kind of caught me off guard, Yeah, <laughs> but either way, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. Um, it would be interesting if we see like, I don't know. Anytime there's like two companies like this merge, uh, there's a bit of excitement because it's like, OK, now I just need one app and I'm going to have all these different shows and characters I love and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't really know what to think of this one so far. But, uh, well, yeah, interesting stuff. Here's another one you're not going to know what to think about. Disney sells a major part of its movie business to Sony. <laughs> OK. And you go, what? Okay, according to Variety, Disney will soon be outsourcing the distributions of its home entertainment media to Sony Pictures Entertainment. The new deal will see Sony manufacture, distribute, and market DVDs, Blu-rays, and other physical media of Disney-owned releases. Uh, Sony will only be selling all of Disney's new releases and catalog titles on physical media through various retailers in the United States and Canada. Um Basically, Disney sold off a chunk of the company to have Sony handle the distribution and marketing of the physical releases of the company, which they're still making their movies. But when it comes to DVD, Blu-ray sales and stuff like that, Sony will be handling all that. OK. And in the world <laughs> of and in the world of people, you know, with everything moving to like all these streaming platforms and people like, yeah, I got all the streaming stuff, but the big re, uh, insurgence of people jumping on the stream, the physical media bandwagon again, Sony's buying into the, we're going to, we're going to be dropping Blu-rays and DVDs again. I find that very interesting. Um, reportedly, Disney has suggested that the Sony deal was only done as a way to allow the company to continue selling physical copies of their movies and TV shows in response to consumer demand more efficiently. Just okay. what I said. You know what I mean? Um, there are people that are concerned that this um, means Disney's going to start laying off employees. I don't know what that means yet. I don't know if it's true. I just know that I'm reporting a story that made me go, whoa, that's a big piece of the puzzle, you know? So I'm, I mean, it makes sense, you know, like if they're getting rid of a division, you know, and uh, farming that off to Sony, like it makes sense that some people might lose their jobs, but I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it holds the same amount of weight if, um, you know, as compared to if it was like 
Disney lays off their entire animation division or something. You know, it's I don't know if this holds as much weight as uh, some uh, developments that could occur, but there's a lot of questions about this one. One of my main question is, uh, do Disney movies still go into the vault now or is Sony just going to be kind of printing stuff ad nauseum like any Disney title will always be available. Um, I don't know how well, relevant the whole Disney vault is anymore either. That is, so that is a phenomenal question. And I feel that it's a question worth digging into for a later show. Like I might do some research on that. And the reason I say that is because when Disney plus launched, there really was no vault at that point because everything was all of a sudden at your fingertips. And they're constantly adding content to Disney Plus, and it's great. I'm glad they are. However, it makes me wonder what is available. Does the vault matter anymore? Is there anything still in the vault, or is that part of their still cycle for physical releases? I don't know. Yeah. The whole point of the vault, not to go on a tangent, but the whole point of it was put a movie out, let people buy it, enjoy it, that kind of thing. And then after X amount of time, when sales start to dip on that title... Don't make more of it, put it in the vault and wait until the next generation of kids is ready to start watching that and then boom, re-release it. So it would go in cycles. So Little Mermaid would be out and then when sales start dipping, they would pull it off the shelves and toss it in the vault. And then we have a new generation of little kids that need to get in a Little Mermaid. Hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's put that back on the shelf. You know what I mean? That's basically how it works. Yeah. So it's it's a really smart idea to sort of manufacture yeah. Yeah, it it really like makes scarcity and uh I feel like it shows the level, level of restraint that I don't know if Disney has anymore, <laughs> but uh <laughs> but really good stuff. <laughs> so No, I you know, as much as I found the vault annoying when it was like, "Ooh, why can't I find Oliver and Company?" Oh, it's in the vault. Um Yeah. That I found that a little annoying when you're looking for when I was looking for physical media, but it's a brilliant uh, business strategy so i can't really like, argue with it um all right here we go amazon uh have you noticed did you get an email about amazon adding um uh commercials to their uh streaming platform i did uh, i don't i mean i probably did but okay. <laughs> go on. I, I did and they were we're going to be adding ads and if you don't want the ads, it was like an extra two dollars to your okay. Amazon bill. So I was like, who cares? It's two dollars. And I pay a lot of money to not watch commercials because I can't stand commercials. Um, like I, I hate commercials probably more than anything in the world right now. Um, <laughs> so that tells you that. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get rid of the commercials. But Amazon is going to be adding ads because of this. Amazon will be shutting down their freebie ad service the freebie streaming mm -hmm. service that amazon controls the interesting part about that is that means that everything on freebie will probably get filtered into amazon um, oh okay does that make sense so if you've yeah. been if you've watched anything on freebie which i have there's some stuff on there that's like oh it's on freebie whatever i'll watch a commercial every you know ex like i don't i didn't <laughs> mind a couple things that i did watch on freebie um so it that's all right but looks like if they're going to be shutting it down they'll be moving it over um and this is going to be happening um hold on the exact date of freebie shutting down remains unknown but happens sooner than later and prior to april 
Um, some of original freebie mm-hmm. freebie originals have already been moved to Prime Video, and others expected to follow suit. So, yeah, All right then. Yep. So, <laughs> and then uh, finally, one more story because this is worth it. Uh, Christopher Nolan wants to make a horror film. Cool. Holy cow! Do it. Uh, Christopher <laughs> Nolan says, and I love this quote. Um, Christopher Nolan was talking to the Hollywood Reporter and said that doing an outright horror picture was something he'd eventually like to tackle, and then he broke down precisely why. I think horror films are very interesting because they depend on a very cinematic devices. It's really about provoking a visceral response to things. So at some point, I'd love to make a horror film, but I think a really good horror film requires a really exceptional idea, and those are few and far between. Here's the thing. Christopher Nolan, when you watch Oppenheimer and you see how he built tension to a movie that is three hours of dialogue and then apply that level of tension to a horror film directed by Christopher Nolan, I think it could very well be one of the scariest movies you will ever see in your entire life. And I want to see this movie. (laughs) So I want Christopher Nolan to get it done. Like, get this done. He everything, Almost every movie he's made has been phenomenal. And to know that he wants to tackle this, and then you look at the tier of stuff, whether it be Memento to The Dark Knight to Tenant to uh, Oppenheimer to um, Inception, this could be the most, this could literally be the scariest horror film ever created. So, <laughs> absolutely. I think um, my mind keeps going to... Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy, um, like watch Batman Begins, pay attention to all the crazy scarecrow stuff um, and think about that director doing a horror movie and then go watch The Dark Knight and look at how he uh, characterized the Joker in that movie. And the Joker is he's pretty much a horror villain, but he's in like a superhero detective crime thriller, essentially. But I just think you're right. Like Christopher Nolan would do such a good horror movie. I think the villain and the characters would be top notch. And uh, I think it's cool because somebody like Nolan, you expect him to make something like you expect him to make the next like shining or something like that. You expect him to make the next horror masterpiece. You don't expect him to make like, you know, a nightmare on Elm street five, you're expecting the shining, you know, something that level. So uh, that's really cool to think about as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I think it's, uh, I think it's phenomenal and I think we need to do it like now. Um, but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that kind of ends the news. So are you ready to talk about the list tonight? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right. It is list time. We'll be, we're going to roll the thing and I'll be right back. Top five. Peter, this is your list, man. Um, so why don't you tell us what we were discussing or digging through when we were Googling <laughs> our, you know, stuff this week? Yeah, um, it's a pretty straightforward list. Um, this week we're doing our top five favorite role or robot characters from pop culture. And uh, we're pretty much just excluding the uh, giant robots because we already did a list about, 
you know, your Gundams and Iron Giants and Jaegers and all that. So we're uh, we're not focusing on that aspect of robots, but we are talking about like robots of every other size. So everything from like a human to a little bit bigger to a human to microscopic if you want to go that level. But uh, this I just thought would be a fun list. Like I said, I've been watching a lot of (laughs) Transformers movies and stuff lately with my son. So maybe that's what made me think of this. But I also love these sorts of lists where we can pull from all corners of pop culture if we want to. You know, we can bring in video game picks and cartoon picks and then movie picks. And it's it's always really fun when you get that sort of a variety. So that was really what I was thinking with this one. So, okay. And I, you know, when you brought up the Transformers, it made me go, yeah, okay, that makes complete sense as to how he came up with that (laughs) idea. Um, I texted you a little bit about size of robots because you said last week that we were going to talk about normal size. Like, okay, (laughs) I understood you meant not gigantic. So I was trying, I started to focus on like human size (laughs) is what I was focusing on. And then I got to a specific one and I was like, well... It's not a giant robot, but it's not normal size. I better text him. You know what I mean? So, and I was so, more like, it was all, it was more of a size clarity situation. So, yes. So, um, on the, uh, so when we did our giant robot episode where that's like episode six of our entire podcast, like that was super early, but on that episode, we said that maybe like, bigger than a house would make it a giant robot. <laughs> so if you keep that in mind, like try to keep it smaller than a house, but I definitely didn't want it to be only limited to like humanoid sized robots. Like if you want to do like some something really small, if you want to do something that's like twice the height of a human, I think that works. I just didn't want to get too big with it. And uh, yeah. going by the side of the a size of a house, you know, that's, there's some variability there as well. Like, are we talking about like a two-story house? Are we talking about a tiny house? Like where, what are we looking at here? You know what I mean? So there is a discussion to be had. Yeah. Well, I have one honorable mention. So I don't know if you have two. I just, I have only the one. So I have, I have two. So I guess I could go first. Okay. Um, I did, by the way, and I meant to look something (laughs) up. So I'm going to Google that right now as we talk. But I did try and stay away from uh, – uh, how do I want to word this? Um, uh, Star Wars uh, okay. uh, droids because there is a distinction between um, droids versus robots. But And, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> I wasn't too pure with my list like that, like – I thought it would be okay if you did include uh, Star Wars characters, but I get where you're coming from uh, there as well. And uh, again, I do feel like there is a discussion to be had there. Um, so the other thing I'll say is both of my honorable mentions are probably technically cheats, and I do have one other cheat on my list as well. Um, but okay, uh, yeah, so for, real for quick, my... real quick, since we're since we're at the beginning, an android should properly be a human-shaped robot. Like C-3PO, head on top, two arms, two legs, attached to a torso. But the word droid in Star Wars is used of robots of all kinds, including astromechs like R2-D2. Ultimately, so an android is designed to resemble a human, sort of. 
um, and robots can just be what robots are. I just know Lucas was very, he's famous, it's very famous of saying, you know, when someone called them robots in Star Wars, his response was, they're not robots, they're, they're droids. And that was that was the end of the conversation, because Lucas said it, and it's canon, that's how, that's how that happened. <laughs> so, um, as like a, uh, as the casual Star Wars fan that I am, I always understood it as like, Droids and Star Wars, um, not all of them, but a lot of them, I feel like there's a sort of emotional intelligence that they have that a regular robot wouldn't have. And I think that's how I always read it, especially when you think of like R2-D2 and mm-hmm. C-3PO and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, um, I guess I can go into uh, my list of cheats. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, my first honorable mention total cheat but it makes me laugh and i had to pick it uh i went with uh awesome from uh south park <laughs> and this is the one where it's basically cartman wearing like a cardboard robot costume that he makes and the whole thing is so he can like play this elaborate joke on butters but uh the visual is hilarious the episode's hilarious and i just had to pick this one because it's like what's your top five favorite robots well awesome is definitely an honorable mention so uh there you go <laughs> so i'm sorry you had two honorable mentions yes i do so so then it would be you so and yes. then i would go so yes this is a cheat <laughs> yes yes it absolutely is um, all right, so my honorable mention is the is the one that I texted you about, and that's Ed 209 from the film RoboCop. Right um, I have always enjoyed the design of this robot. Um, so if you've never seen RoboCop, you it's a action movie from the 80s and or 80s, late 80s, early 90s. You should check it out um, because it's actually kind of cool uh, what they do with the robots in this movie, but. Uh, Robocop, he's a police officer that dies, and someone says, hey, we can turn him into a cyborg and make him a robot, and he is the title character, Robocop. Um, in the midst of that, they did try a fully automated robot robot that was not a human first, and they called him Ed 209, and he's definitely bigger than a human, um, but he is a police enforcement robot that does not hold restraint, so when they're like kind of demonstrating, like, oh, yeah, no, he's... He's good, but then he, like, kills everybody, so it's like he's a robot that's kind of not controllable they want. So, yeah. Um, So, yeah, Ed 209, it's just the design of the robot is really cool. I always thought he was really cool and threatening looking and kind of scary. Um, But, yeah, Ed Ed 209 was great. So This is a great one, and I think um, another thing that uh, I don't know if you touched on a lot was when you go back to the original RoboCop films – this is a this is a character who is uh, the way Ed Two O Nine is animated is so cool when you're talking about like that sort of classic sci-fi stop motion animation and uh, that's an awesome aspect as well. Um, also, since you did bring up RoboCop, like uh, the actual character RoboCop to me is more of a cyborg than a robot. And that's a whole other can of worms we can open. But uh, that's what I tried to stay away from was the cyborg characters, the characters that were like half human, half robot sort of thing. You know what I mean? So Ed 209 is a normal. So Ed 209 counts. I was just talking about like RoboCop himself. Oh, okay. Does anyone else in mind? I have one that's a question. Okay. I have one that I guess is a cheat because you said you were trying to stay away from the cyborgs, but I don't know if my, I don't even know if it's considered a cyborg and you'll understand why when we get there. Uh, <laughs> but cause Ed 209 in the first film was a robot. 
Yeah, no, no, that that Ed, that, that, that is correct. Ed two oh nine in the second film, they felt they needed to add a human element and rebuilt him using the brain of that one dude, and they actually had to pull up the guy's spinal column and brain and embed it into the robot itself. Okay, nice. <laughs> so it wasn't. I don't even know if I even can consider it a uh, cyborg, but hey, you know. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think at that point, technically, but yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Ed 209, what's your next one? So my next one, another cheat. Um, I know we're supposed to stay away from Transformers with this list, but uh, as an honorable mention, I did put Bumblebee. He Is he bigger than a house? I don't really think so, at least when you go by the movies. Like, he's close, maybe compared to some houses, but he is like you know, one of the smaller Transformers. And I think I'm not a big, like, the original Transformers cartoon was kind of a little before my time. Um, so I've kind of enjoyed that from afar and enjoyed some of the more recent Transformers um, entries into that franchise. But as far as a movie character, and, like, I know a lot of people don't like the Michael Bay Transformers movies, but I think it's really cool how especially Optimus and Bumblebee, but I almost feel like maybe even more so Bumblebee. They did such a good job with those movies with creating, taking this 80s um, cartoon character who when you watch the old Transformers show, Bumblebee like facially and stuff didn't necessarily look super different than the other Transformers characters. And they gave Bumblebee like a really unique look when it comes to uh, his facial features, when it comes to uh, just his presence in general. And it's really cool to see how they how Bumblebee has kind of become this really iconic thing um, to the point where he has his own solo mo uh, movie and stuff like that. So that's really what factored into this pick. Um, and going back to the original cartoon, I don't know if Bumblebee was even one of the main focal points or if he was just there, but definitely in the newer movies, he's like, you know, the star of the show a lot of times, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, no, Bumblebee's not bad. And I understand why you put him as an honorable mention, because like, how does, does he count in this list? Um, and I totally understand. So, see, I, I think he does, but most other Transformers don't <laughs> if we're trying to stay away from giant robots. So that's why I wanted to keep him as an honorable mention. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so my first actual pick of the night. Um, this I tried to stay away from Star Wars, but I have two Star Wars ones on my list. And the only reason I tried to stay away from Star Wars is because there's so many to choose from. And if I wasn't careful, my entire list would be Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> and because I do think some of the droids and stuff and robots are just incredibly cool in those uh, in those movies. And I feel like you were kind of looking for more of a flushed out conversation. So... Uh, the first one on my list, I'll get the Star Wars ones out of the way right away, um, is the Droidica, or the uh, ball droids from uh, oh, cool, yeah. cool films. When we first started seeing uh, pictures of the battle droids for episode one, it was a, what are these things? Okay, the, they're cool, I guess. They're clearly going to be the bad guys, or the stormtrooper characters, if you will, you know, that kind of stuff. And we really didn't know what we were getting, but we didn't know is when we saw that trailer and we saw the, like, they looked like balls rolling down the hallway and then suddenly they, like, stop and they pop open and they open up and yeah. some, like, guns and these shields come around them and they're, like, walking around like Transformers. Those things, like, captured my imagination just 
One, they have mm. shields. Two, they kind of like, you know, roll and then pop open. And the animation on those were so cool. Like, I mean, so cool. And then as you progress through the prequel trilogy, even into like Clone Wars and stuff like that, seeing how those things got used, the droidicas, they were awesome. I just thought they were really fantastic, like visual uh, design, concept design. Um, yeah, really, really cool. So. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're awesome. Um, Droidicas, uh, also known as destroyer droids, correct? Yeah, destroyer droids. Yeah. Um, they, uh, it's, they do have such a cool design. It's such an intricate but genius design to them. And uh, you're right. It's one of those things where there's a lot of people who hate the Star Wars prequels. But when you go back to those movies and just pay attention to elements like that, like the weird droid elements and some of the mecha stuff and vehicles... But then also like the environments and stuff, there's so much good world building in those movies. And I feel like people who are like just straight up prequel haters like miss out on some of those things because you're right. Like the destroyer droids or droidicas, whatever you want to however you want to refer to them. Such a cool, genius design. Like uh, I was actually watching this within the last couple of weeks. I was watching episode one and I was just like, man, that is such a good like cool design you know there's there's so much uh brilliance that went into the creation of those droids so uh good call with that yeah. one all right what do you got okay so my next pick um this one's weird uh it kind of touches on something that uh i was thinking a lot with of with my list um and it's this weird uh thing within anime and uh like uh japanese video games where there's this weird tradition almost of uh there's a lot of kind of series and stuff that follow this motif where you have a character who is a either a robot or a cyborg and he will be created by some sort of doctor character or he'll be revived. You know, like it'll be like the human remains that are revived with robotic parts and then that character is sent off to fight crime or go on an adventure or something. And this is something that goes back to I I'm assuming, like, I don't know for sure, but I believe it goes back to Astro Boy. Like, going back to Astro Boy, it fits that sort of uh, trope. But then we also see it in, like, Battle Angel Alita. We see it in, um, like, the character Genos in uh, One Punch Man. But uh, the character that I picked that definitely fits that mold is uh, Mega Man. So that's my, uh, that's my first pick for my list. And... Uh, Mega Man is a great character. Um, I love the Mega Man games. I'm not like a super fan. I haven't played them all, but they're so fun. They're so infectious, but they're also so hard, you know? But I think Mega Man as a character um, in the world of video games and uh, in the world of superheroes and just pop culture in general, I feel like he's a really iconic character. Like, I think people don't talk enough about how... Um, how iconic and recognizable Mega Man is. But uh, no, really cool character, really cool story behind those games when you look into it, but also just like great classic games um, that went on to inspire other great games. Like if you want to get into Cuphead and like other things that took inspiration from it. But uh, yeah, that's that's my first pick this week is uh, Mega Man. So isn't Mega Man a cyborg? <laughs> So he, um, I think it depends. It depends on the iter iteration, but originally he was in your a conversation of like I didn't want to choose cyborgs. No, no, no. He he in his like original iteration he was a full on 
robot. Like I actually did research that because I was like, I don't want to pick that if it's a if it's a cyborg. But yeah, like, sure. Battle Angel Alita, for example, is uh is a cyborg, but Mega Man is like a full on robot. I think there are versions of him where sure. he's like cyborg, but in the original and most iterations, he's a robot. So. <laughs> Sure. I just thought that was fun. Like, I got to ask. All right. So uh, my next one, we talk about Star Wars a lot, so I'm not going to go too nuts on this, but I went with R2-D2. Um, okay. He is by far my favorite uh, robot slash droid from the Star Wars uh, universe. He's the family dog. He's the hero of a thousand devices. He's there when you need him. He he fights alongside you. He does all the stuff that you don't think about. He's He's the best, man, um, and he's got a really cool design to him, um, and it's just if I could, if someone said, hey, we're going to give you a robot to follow you around, it'd be R2-D2, man, like, just he's the best. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a lot to say other than he's the best droid from the movies. Um, I know it's kind of, I feel like it's a little cliche, but I, I don't need to talk much because everyone knows who R2-D2 is and everybody likes R2, so... Yeah, he's he's such a classic, iconic, just great character. He's a character who didn't have like doesn't have any dialogue. Like he just makes beeps and boops, but you emotionally uh, relate to him at all corners of the Star Wars movies. And uh, he's just he's also a character you see R two D two. It brings a smile to your face. You see <laughs> you see like a vintage like Pepsi cooler that's shaped like R two D two it brings a smile to your face. So just one of the greatest uh, robot characters in all of uh, pop culture. So uh, great yep. call, of course, you know. Yep. All right, man, what do you got? Okay, so for my next pick, I went with uh, Johnny Five from uh, Short Circuit. Um, and this is a character who, I mean, Johnny Five, just thinking about him just brings me back to my childhood. Uh, watching those movies... And just uh, it capturing my imagination. Uh, one of the things from uh, the short circuit films that always really drew me in, and it's kind of goofy, but when I don't know if it's the first one or the second one, but the scene where he is just devouring books like within seconds, like he just flips pages like so fast and he can retain all that information. I always was jealous of that. I was like, that is such a cool, that is such a cool ability to have. But this is another character who's very iconic when it comes to like 80s movies. He's like one of the most iconic characters, but I think he's just so recognizable. He's uh, just such a good character. And when you look at movies like uh, as much as I like the movie Wally, I feel like Wally's design is a straight up Johnny Five ripoff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, no, good stuff. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew. I know, uh, I know you Wally love these movies is kind as well. Of a so. Johnny Five ripoff. <laughs> yeah, I know. At least with his head design. And um, think about his uh, his like tread sort of wheel, you know, tank wheel things that he rolls around on. Yeah. And, yeah, Johnny Five. Um, that captured imagination. Like the first movie was very serious um, in terms of like, yeah, they had its humor and stuff, but it was a really serious movie about, you know, a robot becoming self-aware and then uh, thinking that it's alive and they got to hunt it down. And then you throw in like the murder bots, if you will, I guess the best way of wording it, because they did not become self-aware and they're just out to like kill. 
Um, and I love those like shoulder cannons that they have and stuff like that, that the military, cause they were a test. It was a test robot for like military purposes. That was the whole point of it. But then later you move on to the second film, short circuit two, and that's more of a comedy. Um, but short circuit two was actually pretty solid, man. Um, just in terms of like him having gadgets and you know, all that stuff. And it, uh, and I like the, I like the bit in short circuit two where he gets mad and he's got to go like, it's, it's time to fight. And he goes and Rambo's himself up and he goes into like the radio shack or whatever it was. And he's like, looking, he's like hooking all the computer parts up to himself and like adding weapons and tech and like, you know, uh, you know, what's so funny about this is, um, you were talking about how short circuit one was like very serious and short circuit two is kind of more comedic, but it still has, it's like action moments and stuff and then you start talking about the rambo part because <laughs> in my head i was thinking oh you know it's kind of like uh, gremlins you know like the first one's like more serious more focuses on the horror and the second one's more like goofy and a lot more comedic but the second one has gizmo <laughs> going through the rambo montage and getting suited up with the bandana and stuff and it's really funny that both movies have that trope in it <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I always like Johnny Five, so. Um, but that's a de- pretty decent segue to my next uh, self-aware robot. Um, I went with the T-800 from the Terminator series. Nice. Uh, the T-800 is essentially the Schwarzenegger uh, Terminator. Here's the catch. I'm specifically referring to the ones that don't look like Schwarzenegger, the ones that look like robots. So we're talking yeah. future war, T-800, no... Uh, synthetic skin over the endoskeleton um, Terminator. So these are the ones that are just look like robots and they run around killing people and they are terrifying. The reason I chose this is because it's such a cool concept for like one, the computer, the AI goes self-aware, starts taking over. The machines are starting to kill things, become a full war us against the machines. Obviously we lose, but the T-800 is scary. Like, it's scary looking, man. And it doesn't stop. And there's some really cool bits. Like, when you think about the original Terminator, and then it's down to the fact that they they basically, like, burned down to the fact that there's nothing but the endoskeleton left. And it's still, like, the it, it has no butt, uh, legs left. And it's, like, crawling through the machine, still trying to yeah. kill them. That's, like, a scary sequence. Um, then you got... Uh, I mean, yeah, you have the, you get to see the future war stuff in the second movie. Um, you get to see all the endoskeleton stuff, um, as you kind of cruise on. But then when you get to, uh, Terminator Salvation, where it's like all future war, some of the Terminators that are running around that are like the T-800 models, they're crazy, man. Just looking at them is because like those sequences were, you know, they land a helicopter on one, they kill it land the helicopter on it. John Connor gets out with a gun, has to like shoot it a few times in the head to make sure it's down. Um, just some of the things they did with the T-800 model in that movie was pretty gripping. Uh, but no, I've always loved the design of this. Um, the look of it, it's it's terrifying. It's a face that says Terminator so much more yeah. so. Like Even when you think like the T-1000, the liquid Terminator uh, from Terminator 2, awesome. Like, such a cool idea, such a cool concept, um, executed gorgeously, and the CGI still holds up. However, you show me a picture of a T-800, it screams Terminator, I know exactly what it is, without question, without hesitation, you know. 
So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's so recognizable. It's one of those if you grew up in uh like the late eighties or nineties, like you just have like the image of uh the T eight hundred just burned into your uh burned into your brain. But it's such a good character design and uh, I actually really like how you uh commented about a lot of the uh kind of horror elements that are in um the Terminator movies to really uh you know spice up the presence of this <laughs> this uh you know the T800s but uh good call with this one it's kind of hard to uh really know what to add to everything you said but this is a great pick it almost made it almost made my list but uh no this this is an awesome one so sure all right man what's your next one yeah so the next pick i went with is uh i went with uh brainiac from uh dc comics um the superhero the superman villain uh this is another character where he's had different iterations like he kind of started out as like a regular alien guy but then um you know other iterations where he's straight up artificial intelligence and i think that's kind of what he's known for being is like this artificial intelligence creature that's like going across the universe and um you know collecting knowledge but also like basically kidnapping like full worlds and committing like these atrocities in the quest for knowledge that he's on and uh i don't know something about brainiac he's he's such a powerful character and he makes like he's such a good superman villain he's such a good justice league villain but there's also something about the presence of him where like when he's done well i feel like he feels very alien and uh that's kind of like leads into like my favorite versions of brainiac is where he's like yes like he's like this mechanical like computer being but there's ways that he's depicted where he feels gross and very alien and i'm thinking of like kind of how he's depicted in the uh superman unbound animated movie um which is based on uh the comic superman brainiac by uh jeff johns and i i like that version of him where he like you know gets hooked up to these like sort of tentacles and he just looks creepy you know i like when they they play up the creepy factor kind of also how he was depicted in um in the uh krypton tv show like i think they did some really cool stuff with brainiac in there as well but uh drew i don't know if you have any thoughts on this one but uh yeah uh, creepy brainiac is the best brainiac that's the only way <laughs> absolutely yeah um i i always prefer the creepy bit brainiac over all the other versions um and i and uh, brainiac i completely didn't even think about in terms of this list when i was putting it together because i think i think i always viewed him I think I always viewed him as like an alien entity more so than I did an actual robot. Right, um, right. So, yeah, that's probably why I didn't even think about it. But no, Brainiac, absolutely. Um, the design's yeah. great. And I love the diff. Like, there's really good versions of him. And then there's some versions that you're just like, mm, okay. But he's also like one of those like ever evolving uh, versions of himself. Like, every time you see it, if every time you see a Brainiac, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the final version or the scariest version. It's the version that yeah. he needs himself to be for this specific moment. Um, because he's constantly upgrading and changing and evolving and yeah. And that that's what I was going to say is he has that sort of uh, similar to like Ultron. He has that level of like, even if you kill like his current form, like you still feel like he's ever present because he's going to 
reemerge in some other form or some other way. And uh, that's why I think it's hard to think of him as like a singular robot. You know, it's easy to watch like uh, the new adventures of Superman and the way he's depicted in there. He just kind of looks like a this robot character that Superman fights again. But when you get into like deeper into the comics and some of the other lore, he doesn't really feel like a robot in that way. And that's why this one was kind of a, it's kind of a weird pick. But I think it technically still counts. So uh, there you go. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, well, the next one on my list is um, this is from the Stargate franchise. Um, these are robots called replicators. Um, if you've seen Stargate, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're fantastic. Um, if you don't, the replicators, when they first come in contact with the replicators, they are tiny little robots that look like spiders. Mm-hmm. And they're incredibly difficult to kill, and they overrun and infest and eat computers and try and assimilate and so on and so on. And the spiders do get a little bigger. Uh, the first time you encounter them, the spiders are probably no bigger than like a laptop computer <coughs> or a tablet. Um, but they're creepy. They're all over the place. They're crawling through the hallways. They're shooting them with shotguns and stuff. It's a really cool, like almost like bug infestation kind of an episode, but they're robots. Um, when, like I said, when you first encounter them, they're spiders. The catch is that these, uh, replicators are built, the building blocks that they're created from are nano machines. So, and they eat and replicate and then they eat more and they replicate, they consume and they replicate. That's why they're called replicators. And they like consume tech to continuously build and evolve. So the first time you encounter them, they're like these little, like tiny little robot spider things. Later in the franchise, when you encounter them again, like when you think the the replicators are long gone, you're not even thinking about them. The writers are like, let's do the replicators again. But what have (laughs) the replicators been up to? And they throw throw you a curveball and you're like, oh crap, it's the replicators. But now the nanites have evolved on a scale that they now are resembling humans. So they can actually like look like a human and still be a robot and so on. And they're building these vast cities that are basically like giant replicators themselves because the cities <laughs> themselves are built out of nano machines. <laughs> like, um, really cool uh, concept for a robot when you're thinking like nanotech and how it functions. So, yeah, um, I'm not familiar with this one. Uh, I was just looking at some pictures of them, and it they just look wicked. Like, they look awesome. Uh, I see the spider examples. I see some of the more humanoid examples, but it seems like such a cool concept. So, yeah, and then uh, one of the movies, one of the movies, the because uh, it's, it's, it's a long television series, but there's three films, and one of them, I want to say it's Arc of Truth. I could be wrong. No, it's Arc of Truth for sure. That one... When it's an old school replicator situation that happens within the plot of the film and you find out that the guy is a replicator, but he's not like fully assimilated to like the standard human replicator. So like in the process of him dying, the like creepy spider thing starts crawling out of him and like the practical effects they used and everything for it was fantastic. (laughs) So, yeah. Awesome. That's that's great. Yep. <laughs> no, this this is a, I I didn't know about this one, but this seems like such a cool pick. So uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> um, I can uh, if you want to watch just the episode because I know you know enough about the idea of right, right. Stargate. 
if you want to watch the episode where you first encounter the the bug ones, I will look it up for you. Um, just because I kind of want to just watch that one episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, go ahead. Okay, so, number, what's your second to last one? Yeah, so my second to last one, um, this is absolutely one of my favorite robots across all of pop culture. He is a hilarious character. He is an iconic character. He's a character who will stick with you forever, especially some of the uh, jokes and one-liners and all that he has. And that is uh, Bender from from Futurama. Oh, dude, <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say Gur from Invader Zim. <laughs> oh, Gur would be a great call. I didn't even think of that one. Um, that's where I thought no. you were going with that, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so Bender is, uh, you know... He's part of the team in Futurama. He's part of the Planet Planet Express team, and he is basically a robot who is made for like construction work and stuff. He's made to bend pieces of metal. <laughs> That's his function. But uh, the name Bender is hilarious because, yeah, exactly. It's it's a play on words. He drinks a lot. He smokes a lot, and it's kind of funny when you think about Futurama and you think about like there's like characters like fry is like you know he's a sweetheart but he's a total slacker and he's kind of an idiot and then you have like dr farnsworth who's a genius but socially he's not very intelligent and you have all these like lovable but flawed characters and the weirdest thing is the one that's probably the most flawed on a human level in so many different ways is the robot because he's like an alcoholic he's a narcissist he's constantly smoking he's constantly like <laughs> you know being promiscuous like he has so many human flaws and he's the robot character and it's so funny but it really comes down to i love futurama as a show i think it's like as far as just like forget animated series like it's one of my favorite just like sci-fi shows in general and uh bender is just a great piece of the puzzle uh there's so many great jokes you can go to with him for some reason one of the ones that always sticks out in my head is uh there's one episode where it's the team's like in this like i it feels like a haunted mansion i can't remember exactly what was going on but they're like in this like old dingy mansion and it's kind of like has that sort of scary feel to everything and written on the wall in like it, i don't know if it was blood or red paint or something there's something written in binary code and everybody's like freaked out about it and bender's like what's the problem that doesn't mean anything and then you know another character's like wait turn around and they turn around and there's a mirror on the other wall that shows the binary code but it's backwards <laughs> So instead of like zero one zero one zero one, it's one zero one zero one zero or whatever, and then Bender's like, oh, that means blah blah blah, <laughs> and it was such a good gag. Um, another one of my favorite ones is uh, the episode where Bender becomes a human uh, for an episode, and he just he goes on this like gluttonous hedonist sort of tirade where he indulges <laughs> in like every sort of human pleasure possible to the point of like there's some really really funny gags in there to the point where he's like you know he's at a nightclub dancing on the dance floor with uh some women but he's also like chugging beers and shoving hot dogs down his throat at the same at the same time and it's just it's it's so it's so good he's such a good character so yeah that's my next pick that's awesome yeah um, bender john dimaggio voices bender 
Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't even know the uh, yeah, voice actor. John DiMaggio. So. Um, yeah, he's the voice of Bender. Bender is, you know, Bender was like, not that I disliked Futurama, but Bender was like a saving grace. It was like, there was a lot of times you're just like, what's Bender going to do next? What's Bender going to say next? Um, good call on the robot. I just wasn't expecting you to go that way. I was like, oh, he's going to say Gur. That's going to be awesome. And then you yeah. were Bender. <laughs> no, Gur, I didn't think of. He would be a good choice, but I still think... Uh, for me, Bender edges him out, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you got next? All right, so my last, so it becomes my last pick of the night, um, and this is the one that I, it, it's kind of not a cyborg, <laughs> but I can understand how it could be a cyborg, and that's Major from Ghost in the Shell. Um, okay, right, right. The idea of this is essentially she's police slash military. That's the, you know, like, what was she prior to? Um, but she dies, and they take her consciousness and upload it into the robot. So she's the ghost in the shell of the robot. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that, um, that, that, I'm right, yeah? Okay, so, and essentially it's this action police um, thriller, if you will, and Major is the... She's the main character, but she's got all this cool tech and these gadgets and, you know, the uh, cloaking device built into her tech and everything. You know what I mean? So um, really, really cool uh, concept and idea. And I've always liked the character. Um, I I really enjoyed it in the anime. And then when you watch the live action, they translated it really well. And I, despite people arguing about the American actors playing an Asian character, um, I really do think Scarlett Johansson did a really nice job with it. Uh, the creator even said that he had every yeah. intention of casting an American act- actress for that role anyway. So when you hear that from the creator of it, you kind of go, <laughs> okay, and you stop complaining. Um, yeah, I just I remember that being a controversy and then the creator um, just being like, no, I mean, she's a robot. She doesn't have to be uh, Japanese. <laughs> That's right. so funny how uh, crazy the internet goes about these things. But uh, yeah, awesome call. I didn't know if you were uh, still going with this one, though. You know, No, not at all. Do you have anything to add to it? Because that's that's where I was at. I just, you know. Yeah, it. I just think it's. Yeah. I think it's a great pick. I thought about this one a little bit when putting my list together. Uh, she didn't make my pick, but it's also like part of it's just I haven't watched anything ghost in the shell in so long and um i do love it as a as an anime like especially the uh the movie and then i've seen a handful of the episodes of like uh the uh series that i can't remember what it's called but the one that was on adult swim a lot back in the day but uh no i think this is a good call and um as far as like them uploading her consciousness to this like robotic form I don't remember the ins and outs of it. The way you described it, it sounds like she's still technically like a full-on robot, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and I, I don't know robot. the ins and they outs just, of all that. She's essentially a robot. They just took her consciousness and trans and like kind of transferred it into the robot itself and turned her into like a killing machine. So, right on. Um, I, I still haven't seen the live-action version of this either, so I need to check that out sometime soon um but yeah that could uh i guess that could lead into my na- my last pick yeah, what's you your final pick of the night? yeah so my last one mm-hmm. we <laughs> this one's a cheat it's a total cheat 
And uh, I maybe should have said it earlier, but I I saved it for last because we technically sort of matched. <laughs> but for my last pick, I went with R2-D2 and C-3PO as a pair. Oh, and that's why it's a G. A pair. Yes, but... And, like, I get, like, droids versus robots. There's a distinction there. But when it comes to robots from pop culture, when it comes to these mechanical characters that we love, R2-D2 and C-3PO... They're iconic, and I know I've been saying that word iconic a lot, but, I mean, that's why I picked the characters I did. But they are iconic, they are recognizable, they're well-known, but they're also, when you watch Star Wars, they're the characters you relate to. Because you watch Star Wars and you can't use the Force, and you don't have, uh, you know, you don't have a ship that can do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. But you have at moments in your life felt like C-3PO and you've been, you know, afraid of everything going on and you've had like those weary comments. But sometimes you also play the role of R2-D2 where you're like, shut up, everything's going to be fine. You know, this is all going to work out. And I love, again, like R2-D2, no like human lines of dialogue, but you still understand everything, every like meaning he's trying to say is so apparent. And C-3PO is a character who, when you're a kid, you watch Star Wars and you think he's dumb, you think he's annoying, but then you get older, you get some more humility, and you're like, no, I love C-3PO, and he totally is the human element. Again, robot character, but he's the human element in all of this. He's the way that most of us would be acting. He would be the one saying, like, or you would be the one saying, like, I don't know if we should try this. This seems kind of risky. And I think he plays such a good role. And it's just one of those things in the pantheon of pop culture. Like, these two characters are so high up there um, as far as recognizability and lovability and just characters that everybody should know and love. And uh, that's why I wanted to, wanted to end, end my list on these two. So there you go. Yeah, good call for a final draw and i'm not going to add to it because we'll be here for the rest of the night but look i love <laughs> right i on. love star wars bringing them all on you know um so next week we're gonna yes. go uh, I, this isn't a downer i know we'll make some jokes about it but i i was thinking about this um we're going to talk about five movies that make you uncomfortable Ooh, okay, I love this. Um, for for whatever reason they are, whether it's a scene with like spiders and it bothers you, or it's maybe a home invasion scene where you're just like squirming in your seat, like no, 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 or you know what I mean. But it's a movie that makes you uncomfortable. So it could be some heavy subject matter, but I thought this would be kind of fun to talk about. So, um, there's two movies that instantly popped in my mind when you said this. Um, so that's really funny, but. Cool. This this looks like a funny discussion. It could be very gruesome and kind of a downer, but I think if you're just laughing at yourself about why the movie makes you feel uncomfortable, I think that's also a way to look at it. So, uh, yeah, this this will be a fun list. <laughs> right. All right. Um, you want to toss this one in the can that brings another episode to a close? Uh, yeah, sure thing. All right, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, including a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there, social media, either way it works. We are on uh, 
Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be talking about my adventures playing real-life Pokemon Go. That's right. I've been out there throwing rocks at squirrels and bunnies and other small woodland creatures. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Um, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.